I thought you were going to sneeze. Hello and welcome to episode 19 of the Restoring Human podcast, where we believe humans were designed to flourish. Unfortunately, many modern conveniences prevent us from thriving, but through intentional lifestyle decisions, we can return to an optimal state of health. I am your host, Jarek Bakken. I'm Dr. Alex Aguello. And this week in Restoring Human News, I can't stand that close because my white shirt really throws off the auto exposure. Uh, did you happen to go back and listen to the sleep episode at half speed? I didn't. I've heard people talk about it, but I haven't seen it mm-hmm. yet. So there's this there's this new phenomenon where if you uh, listen to our conversations at half speed, uh, it's for starters rather enjoyable, comical. Uh, entertaining. For how long? How long could you do that? (laughs) I don't know. But uh, apparently right around the one minute mark, so give or take 30 seconds on each side, uh, it's, I mean, we basically sound high, intoxicated. Nice. It's, it's, it is quite amusing. I went back and listened to it myself. (laughs) I'll try it. Uh, Anyway, for your enjoyment, for your laugh, laughing, enjoying that that's good for your health yeah anyway today uh it is october today is october 11th so we're a little 11 days late on this but october is uh is it just a national thing u.s thing or worldwide national breast cancer awareness. national breast cancer awareness month yes what does that even mean <laughs> Well, um, it, I think it was started probably in the 90s, I want to say, um, just wanting to take up some time throughout the year to bring awareness to breast cancer and somewhat supporting or, um, again, just bringing awareness to the survivors of breast cancer as well as, um, you know, just kind of taking time to think about them um, with the suffering that they've been through, those mm-hmm. type of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but connected to that, of course, is because it does affect so many people and it's it's devastating to so many people that they, their primary goal is to eventually beat the disease, mm-hmm. right, to eventually eradicate breast cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of the how it all started um and it's come it's (laughs) it's went in many different directions and there's lots of crazy things about it but that's i guess from a foundational level that's what it's about so breast cancer awareness month breast cancer i'm assuming at some point there was a spike in you know like breast cancer cases and that would cause need for people to know about it like yeah i mean i i don't know i mean honestly when you said that we should talk about this i got a little nervous just because i know you know this can be a uh, polarizing topic i guess it's a way to describe it yeah um and i honestly I, I, probably four or five years ago Mm-hmm. is when I had a, a bigger focus on cancer and um, 
I guess, somewhat even speaking out against traditional um, how cancer is looked at and, and treated and mm-hmm. prevented and those type of things. And I haven't really done much of that um, lately. So it was, man, I have to dive back into getting into that subject. Um, so I don't know, like the whole, I would have to kind of refresh on like the whole history of it. But yeah, um, from what I do remember, there had something to do with, yes, breast cancer um, incidents not only was on a rise, but we had put all this time, money, research, energy into figuring out how we could beat cancer overall, but, you know, specifically breast cancer. Mm-hmm. But there was just no um, change in the amount of people that were getting breast cancer and no change in the amount of people that were um, dying from breast cancer. So there was um, actually one lady that decided to, just because she wanted to bring awareness to, to women who were who were struggling with breast cancer, um, she would hand out um, ribbons. Pink ribbons. Um, they actually were peach oh, in the peach. beginning. And she would hand them out um, to, to women just to kind of say, hey, I'm thinking about you. Um, I understand what you're going through. Just want you to know that, you know, we're... we're we're bringing awareness to this, and, and hopefully this is a disease that's going to be beat one day. Um, and somehow this, this lady made a huge impact on, um, I guess, the nation. Uh-huh. And then that's when, you know, these organizations started to get involved and say, hey, we want to help you with your um, what you're trying to do there. Got it. And then it went from bigger organizations getting together and helping, and then that's when it switched from the peach to the pink. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, and now it is to what it is, you know, where there's all these different organizations trying to help promote breast cancer awareness and that. But again, in the beginning, it was, hey, more people are getting breast cancer. More people are dying from breast cancer. We really need to bring awareness to this to figure out how to beat this. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say that's where it's gotten to right. now. So wh- what has happened as a result uh, of this? Well, um, corporations have gotten involved and... There's always, I guess, conflict of interest, right. you'd say, right. that comes along with big corporations. Because, you know, regardless of what that corporation does to make money, um, kind of the the basic goal of any corporation is to, to make money. Sure. Right? So it's not some big charitable thing where they're trying to figure out, okay, you know, we make all of our money here. Now let's figure out how to give back and support this particular cause. It's yes, let's support this cause, but let's do it in a way where it's also profitable for us. Sure. Um, and then that attracts other organizations that, uh, you know, of course they, they want the persona of helping and giving back and right. supporting good charities, mm-hmm. but it's always connected to some sort of what's the, bo- what's happening with the bottom line. I'm sure. Sure. Um, you know, so I guess uh, some, couple examples of that would be um, partnering with organizations that sell things that have clearly been linked to making people sick. Right. Um, whether it's chemicals that they, ke- the chemicals themselves that they um, sell or chemicals that are in a food product that they sell, mm-hmm. um, a number of different things like that, they... Um, donate money to some of these organizations. Sure. And <laughs> it basically it's buy this product that we've now made pink mm-hmm. 
and we'll donate some of those proceeds to these organizations. Mm -hmm. So you're supporting a good cause. Mm -hmm. Not only are you supporting their cause, you're supporting their business, Mm -hmm. but you're also contributing to something that has been known to cause the problem that necessitates the quote-unquote cause. Yeah. Yeah, so, and again, who knows how deep that goes? Who Mm -hmm. knows? You know, there's a bunch of different, I mean, I don't know if I'd call them conspiracy theories, but there's a bunch of different things like that, that that the whole thing is corrupt. And, you know, you can look at how much money some of the the CEOs and presidents of these organizations make, um, you know, multiple hundreds of thousands of dollars every single year for Mm -hmm. a nonprofit organization. Seems kind of crazy. I don't know if I, I would if we need to necessarily hit on that much, but um, it's just got, to me, it's just gotten completely away from where it started. You know, really trying to bring awareness to something that is devastating to women. Yeah. And help them, support them in what they're going through. But also, yes, let's really try to figure out how can we minimize the effects of this disease. And if we can completely eliminate it, then let's, let's do it. That doesn't seem to be what the goal is anymore. Sure. I mean, like we've talked about before how when you are in, you know, I'm taking food as an example, when you're in the grocery store, we've talked about kind of shopping towards the outside. Well, this month you would probably notice that it's the stuff on the inside that has pink tags on everything, Yeah, you know? So that, yeah. I mean... Well, some of the grocery stores, like right when you walk in, first thing you see well, is there you a go. bunch of pink cookies. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, pink bags of chips and all that stuff. So again, I mean, it's just kind of weird. It's, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, if we just start, forget about. I mean, I'm sure we'll get into kind of the, the even the whole problem with just what they're what they're trying to bring awareness to. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's say that that's fully good. Like that is yes, absolutely what we want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, just the way that they're trying to bring, um, pr- that they're trying to promote that is crazy. Like we just mentioned, you know, they're using cookies and they're using buckets of chicken and they're using soda and yeah, all these things that I, I guess to give them the benefit of doubt, they want everybody to be aware of um, what they think is the right way to prevent breast cancer and get rid of the disease. Mm-hmm. And they know people are going to eat chicken. They know people are going to eat cookies. They know people are going to drink pop. So we might as well put that in front of them. Right. Um, but again, it just seems odd that they would support organizations that are promoting things that would lead to the problem that they're trying to prevent. Seems uh, backwards. Yeah. So what it, what are the inner workings of like... Yeah, what do, what do they think the solution is? So there was um, one of the, the first, so basically they think the earlier we can detect a disease, mm-hmm. the better that person's chances of surviving whatever this disease, which again, common sense says, yeah, that's sure. right. Of course, if we sure. find it early enough, we're going to be able to beat it. Sure. Um, so before we get into the problems with that, so then they say, so then let's, promote the heck out of finding things as early as possible. Sure. And this goes across the board. It's not just breast cancer. For really every cancer, they would say this is the case, mm-hmm. um, which is why they recommend colonoscopies, which is why they recommend PSA levels being checked for prostate cancer. And, but they say if if 
breast cancer is going to happen, we can detect um, it early with a mammogram. Mm -hmm. So if that's the primary way we find breast cancer, then why don't you just continue to check yourself, not check yourself, but go to the doctor and be checked every single year, every couple years, depending on what age you are, Mm -hmm. until we find it. And then if we find it early enough, you can get treatment and you're good. You're going to survive. So some of the early studies that they did on, if we find it early enough, yes, the the incidence of breast cancer and the um, whether the number of people that were dying from it, it was going to go down. But then every other study that they've done since then um, has not shown the same thing. And even that one that showed the same that showed that it was a benefit was only a 30% relative risk, which. We don't have to get into the specifics of that, but if you remember us talking about the whole yeah. what the health documentary, yeah. they were citing a lot of stuff that was all relative risk yeah. instead of absolute. Um, so like they're saying processed meat caused cancer mm-hmm. um, by a certain percentage. Well, that was the relative percentage. It wasn't the absolute percentage. Mm-hmm. It was basically one person, one more person died um, per 100,000 or something like that of can- of cancer compared to um, if they didn't eat. Yeah. Processed meat. So yeah. the same thing with this. Um, it's just a relative risk. It's just a small number of um, women that would survive breast cancer um, because they would get early treatment if they were if they continued to get the mammograms every year. But even that small um, change hasn't even been shown with all the follow-up studies. So then there's, you know, of course, some changing of the recommendations. And now I think it's, it's there's not really even a overall recommendation for what doctors can look to to say, okay, this is what I should be recommending to my patients. Mm-hmm. American Cancer Society might be different from the National Institute of Health. Um, you know, th- the different journals that do all these studies are recommending different stuff. So even on like the Suman, Susan G. Coleman um, website, they admit that. They say, we don't really know the right recommendations. Here's what we do recommend based off the studies that we know, but there's not a consensus on how to, how to do these things. But overall, they would say early detection is the way to do this. If we can just get women to start doing more mammograms, every all women to do more mammograms, then we would we would eventually eradicate breast cancer because we'd find it early enough to where people wouldn't be dying from it. Sure. So what is what's the typical like treatment course when they do find it? Well, with breast cancer, it's typically if they find it early enough, they would. It's, a, it's so most people know as a lump in their breast, right? So they would do what's called a lumpectomy. They would take that lump or the tumor, you know, which is really what it is, mm-hmm. out of the breast. Mm-hmm. And then they would do follow-up with radiation, sometimes chemotherapy, mm-hmm. to, uh, you know, hopefully kill anything else that they didn't get with the lumpectomy. Mm-hmm. So that's the traditional treatment for breast cancer. Um, again, if we can find it early enough and do those treatments then they would say you're going to have a better chance of surviving. They can show that in research. They can show that it's a small number, but they can show that more women survive after five years if they get if they find it early and they treat it. Mm-hmm. A couple problems with that is when it comes to cancer, unlike any other sort of disease, a breast cancer, prostate cancer, colon cancer, a survivor means that that person lived five years after they were diagnosed. Okay. means that they could die the next day. Sure. But they're still a cancer survivor. So that's what figures into these statistics. So 
we can just, again, common sense. Let's say you found your breast cancer in 2017 and you happen to die in 2018. Yeah. You only live one year, you're not a breast cancer survivor. If you found that cancer, though, in 2013, now you lived to 2018, you live beyond five years. You're a survivor. Right? Yeah. So you can see how the statistics can get skewed. Sure. You still died in 2018, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but you lived for five years because they found it five years earlier. Right. And so it's it. what I'm hearing is there's no regard for any other damage, any other, I mean, you know, on repeat broken record here, any other causation that got you to that point. There's no regard for any of that, any other damage that's being caused. It's simply like cancer is gone. Like, you mean they're not studying like why the cancer would be gone? Well, sure. Yeah. 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 I mean, I'm, I'm hearing that, but I guess in with what you're saying, as far as the statistics, like, yes, they might remove the cancer itself, but like something got you to that place. And even though, you know, you made it five years out, like that's, you understand what I'm saying? I think so. Um, Basically, what I was trying to say is it it doesn't matter necessarily when you detect it. I mean, it does matter based off of how they're determining if somebody survives or not. Um, But what research is showing with mammograms is if somebody has an invasive form of breast cancer, Mm -hmm. which may be something important to say, there's plenty of different, there's many different forms of breast cancer, right? It's not just breast cancer. Mm -hmm. Some of them are more invasive, more aggressive than, than others. If, if a woman has it, it doesn't matter if they detect it 10 years earlier or one year earlier. There's, the statistics show they're going to die based off of traditional treatments that, that we have in, in modern medicine. Um, so the statistics, when they can say, hey, we're saving lives by promoting mammograms, mm-hmm. what they're figuring into those statistics is just detecting cancers that potentially weren't going to kill a woman in the first place. Uh. So they're throwing off just kind of them saying that we're actually saving lives is based off of skewed research. It's not necessarily women that have these invasive forms of breast cancer. Those women aren't necessarily surviving any better than they did in the 1900s. Got it. It's uh, But they can say, yes, what we're doing is working because they're figuring in all these women that they're detecting early that, you know, they're getting the treatments and uh, they weren't going to die anyway. So it's a, there's just a lot of bad research that's being promoted. I see what you're saying. And that's not, you know, again, my opinion. That's Journal American Medical Association. That's the New England Journal of Medicine. That's the British Medical Journal. That's the Lancet. That's all these journals where doctors are researching this and saying our recommendations of mammograms is not necessarily the, it's not saving women's lives. So you guys, got, you have to stop claiming that. Got it. You know, In that that is like one of the big things that the so what's the official name for the pink ribbon stuff it's just Susan G. Coleman yeah like what's is it like yeah what what's that organization uh, well Susan G. Coleman race for the cure all that stuff has to do with the um, pink ribbon stuff but the ribbon thing was just again started with that lady and then a, a, a company called Estee Lauder 
which is, I think, a makeup company. Is okay. that what that is? <laughs> they, they took it combined with AstraZeneca, which is a pharmaceutical company. Uh-huh. And then they made this whole pink campaign. Okay. Of how that. So I don't necessarily think it's an organization. Sure. Um, okay. So, but what they're promoting is women get checked out. Mammograms. Yeah. Yep. So all the research has went into, um, you know, how can we, of course, treatment. Um, how can we find it better? How can we find it sooner? But most of the dollars that they receive, like when you do, when you give to these organizations, is to just promote women getting mammograms. Um, so, very little research goes to what they call education. Sure. And their education. So it's very little amount of money goes to education, and their education also is not necessarily the uh, yeah education that we would give. Yeah. So. So tell me this, if, if you were, if you were given all that money, like what would be, what would you do with that money? How would you go about like addressing this problem? Well, I think research is pretty clear. Um, Research done on epigenetics, which is basically just the study of how our genes are get turned on and off mm-hmm. or get expressed mm-hmm. um, research on genetics and how it relates to disease and then what's called nutrigenomics so the study of food and how it affects our body basically all of that combined research is pretty clear that yes there is a genetic component to any sort of disease cancer mm-hmm. included mm-hmm. but only about five percent of why a disease would happen happens because of your genetics 95% is the other stuff. So if 95% is all of the things that is in our environment, then I would say most of the research dollars should be going to promoting those type of things, right? Educating on what's the environment you should be putting your body into mm-hmm. instead of, hey, there's nothing we can do about it, even though 95% is what you do about it. Let's just uh, promote detecting it early. Go ahead and do whatever you want with your environment, but we'll detect it early, and then we'll treat it for you. So that's what I would do is promote, put money into educating women um, on what they can do to get their bodies healthy and prevent it that way. Sure, sure. Hmm. That's good. So there's this... uh, should have thrown this in earlier, but uh, my wife informed me that there's a name for some of this kind of corrupt pink ribbon stuff, and she called it pink washing. Pink washing, yep. You've heard of that? Yeah. So. so what that is is what we were talking about in the beginning. Um, they, in order to promote their particular right business, their products, they make everything pink right you know right kind of as with the facade of we're helping support this great cause mm-hmm. but really it's we're trying to <laughs> we know that's what you guys are going to support so we're trying to use it for right and there's organizations that are speaking out against that i mean there's um, grassroots efforts that are really trying to get rid of breast cancer and really support the women that are dealing with breast cancer yeah um and they 
they fight against that mm-hmm. that stuff all the time. And unfortunately, you know, money is pretty powerful right. in our society. So the people that can speak louder and get more information to people um, are the ones with the most money. So those grassroots efforts, even though they're making an impact, kind of like we're trying to make an impact, mm-hmm. um, they still have a lot. It's an uphill battle just because there's so much more out there. Yeah. On the other end, you know. So stepping back, taking kind of a high level view of what we've been talking about. Like what I don't what I don't want to be saying is this whole October breast cancer awareness thing is silly because it's not like people are sick and something needs to be done. We 100% agree on that level. What we are saying, though, is the same, like, the, the the solution that is kind of promoted by all of this stuff is, like, something that we would not, like, we're not 100% in with everything that's associated with this stuff. We would say, yes and amen, cancer is awful, here's this other solution over here. That's essentially the exact same thing that, you know, you just said we are always talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, our purpose for what we're trying to do on this podcast again is to educate people on what we think is necessary to live a healthy lifestyle. And it's not to give medical advice. It's not to tell somebody what they should be, should or shouldn't be doing Mm -hmm. specifically with medical problems. So we're not trying to say, don't, you know, don't listen to your doctors or don't get these tests or anything like that. What we're trying to say is let's be educated about health and how can we become Mm -hmm. the healthiest person possible. Mm -hmm. And when you have this understanding of what makes a healthy person, then that should inform how you look at these particular topics. Yeah. Right. We're trying to, again, promote health and not necessarily speak against something that, um, you know, we would disagree with, but that's also required if we're going to help people promote their health, you know. Right. So that's kind of what we're we're doing. So yeah, like you said, this the awareness to breast to that people are suffering from this disease is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm glad we have it. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of stinks that that's not all the time, right? Like people sure. aren't doing things to to bring awareness to this all the time, but that we have to have one one month. Yeah. To to do that, but um, yeah, kinda, I guess the there's a there's some negative stuff that comes with it, you know, which makes sense. I mean, <laughs> with we're people, right? We're human beings. So when human beings get involved with these things, even if they're good, which is where it started, bad stuff is most right. likely gonna, gonna right. contribute. Right. There's a there's a friendly saying that marketers ruin everything. I mean, that's true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. I guess to be somewhat somewhat practical, like what we would say, the way to try to avoid the end result of getting breast cancer and having your life cut short because of it is promoting a lifestyle and an environment where cancer can't survive. Like that's the most simple way to put it, I think. Yeah, I mean, so again, 
you know, we think a lot of the stuff is crazy, right? So making a pink chicken bucket when we know things that are in chicken contribute to us developing something like a cancer. Um, so promoting that or using that to promote cancer prevention seems crazy. And we mm -hmm. could speak out against that all day. But the, to me, the, the number one thing that we would want to speak out against is what they're promoting in general. Mm -hmm. And it's not necessarily the specifically the mammogram or even the treatment. It's the kind of the mindset behind it is what I would want to speak out against. Wait, wait till, yeah. Don't till do anything for your health. And I shouldn't say don't do anything. Eat cookies, eat chicken, <laughs> drink pop. And it's better to do it with a pink label because you're supporting a good cause was what they would say. And then let's just make sure we check to see if you're going to get cancer, mm -hmm. you know? Nothing about, hey, there are some specific things we know that are necessary on a daily basis to make sure our body is fighting cancer every day. Let's do those things. Yeah. And then if we get cancer, yes, thankfully, hopefully we found it and we can, we can go through whatever treatment you choose to do and you beat it and you survive. But the whole mindset of, hey, just do whatever you want and then check, your, check every year to see if you get it. And then if you get it, we can treat it. That's craziness. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's, I guess, the number one thing that I would say should be spoken out against. Yeah. Yeah. That's not what we're teaching, obviously. <laughs> sure. You know? Yeah. Not that that's not part of what we're teaching, right? We say there's three forms of healthcare. One of them is emergency healthcare. So if it does happen to get to an emergency because you weren't watching our podcast and it did get to the point where you're in a bad situation, now you have to do something from an emergency standpoint then yes absolutely do that but we want to we want to be the, the adaptive form of healthcare. we want the environmental environmental form of healthcare also being part of your arsenal mm -hmm. so that uh you can do the best you can to prevent these things from happening so tell me this i kind of have two questions first one do you know the likelihood of like cancer returning for people who have you know, beat breast cancer. Is that, I mean, is it any different than any other cancer or? I don't know the specific um, numbers, percentages. Um, I I don't know them and I don't even know that I would listen to them because, again, research can be skewed in, in many different ways. It's like saying there's a hole in our boat and water's filling it. Let's just con let's get a bunch of buckets and empty out the boat, mm -hmm. but do nothing about the hole. Right. What's the percentage of the boat filling back up? Right. So, going back to what you said, if you like, if you are in the situation, or probably more applicable, if you were in the situation where you found out that you had breast cancer, immediately, you know went through the typical you know process of getting that removed like but change nothing else it's a matter of time until that lifestyle produces a very similar result whether it's you know that same thing or a different you know form of cancer somewhere else in your body like that's going to eventually lead you to the same place yeah i mean and that's kind of a it's an important point because, um, so we just talked about the whole 
kind of craziness in their mindset of do whatever you want and then just check every year to see if you get it. And then, but once you get it, we treat it, then what's on the other end of that is let's check every year to see if it comes back. It's not, okay, you, you have cancer. Mm-hmm. We're going to treat it and get you to a better spot. Mm-hmm. But let's figure out why you got it. Yeah. And let's address some of that. So then, hey, we don't, we're not in control of everything. Maybe it's still going to come back. But we at least know that there's some specific things that we can do to prevent it. Mm-hmm. So let's go heavy on those things. Yeah. To make sure that we're having our best chance of not getting back to that situation. And I think some people um, maybe have done that um, unknowingly. Like they didn't necessarily know. Mm-hmm the benefit that they were having by just changing something. Yeah. We talked about the stress a couple of weeks ago of some big life event, maybe happening in somebody's life, um, a death or divorce or something like that. And how that can really cause that stress response to go off and just, you know, get us out of that homeostatic cell function. Well, that's a time when maybe cancer can set in, right? So yes, of course they go through all the treatment and potentially the treatment lowered um, tumor markers, got rid of a lot of the abnormal cells, but again, it never addressed why it happened. Well, if they've done something to, you know, address what was going on with them emotionally, sure. mentally, that could have been enough to get their body to a healthy state. Sure. But they're not going to link that up with, this is why I haven't had cancer again. Mm-hmm. They're going to link it up with, you know, the traditional treatments worked. Um, so it's, it's tough. Mm-hmm. Again, that's why I was saying this statistics are probably skewed with how many people haven't or had sure. had to come back? Because like, I, like I've never had cancer, but I'm imagining coming out on the other side of that, like life looks different. You know, yeah. Like you have a you have a different sense of gratitude, probably on a daily basis, that makes day to day life significantly different. Yep. And so, like, in that aspect, like we would definitely call that a positive. Yeah. And so it's. It's, yeah, I guess it's just a matter of understanding what's actually happening there. Yeah. I mean, so according to research done at the University of Northwestern, they say that all of us have between 100 and 10,000 cancer cells in our body at mm-hmm. any given time. Mm-hmm. So that means all of us have cancer. Right. Right. But what happens is our body responds and eliminates those abnormal cells. Our immune system activates and addresses those things. So we don't actually get to the point where we're diagnosed with, with something. So, again, that's happening on a daily basis. Yeah. So, you know, after you're coming off of treatments, mm-hmm. something happens that you, you change your diet, you start sleeping better. Again, you're, you're loving life more because you have more gratitude. All of these things are going to strengthen the immune system. Yeah. All that's going to contribute to whether or not you have cancer again. Um, now, if none of that changes and all the, the kind of the same environment is in your body um, and around your body that led to the cancer in the first place. Yeah. And then maybe even worse because of the treatments, then of course you're going to get cancer again. Yeah. Um, I'm glad you said that because for me personally, th- the first time I kind of heard that and understood the fact that all of us have like these constantly these precancerous cells in our body and like it's just a matter of how well you're getting 
rid of that and fighting that and like not allowing that to take over like that was a pretty like i don't know what you want to call it just philosophy shift yeah. mindset change uh that like some something clicked when i understood that yeah uh when i was in school i visited a a chiropractor up in Michigan and he was doing the screening that we were going to was um, at some sort of race for the cure, some sort of breast cancer awareness thing. And when I was listening to his conversations with people, what he was trying to get him is that specific shift there. Mm. He's like, everybody hears the, you know, the C word and they immediately think death sentence, right? Sure. Like, sure. I'm going to have to be pretty fortunate, pretty lucky to come out of this. Mm. Um, And he said, but what if we just switch the name from cancer to sluggish immune system, <laughs> which is, again, all research is showing it. Yeah. If your immune system gets suppressed enough, that's when cancer can overcome your body. Yeah. He said, what would people do then? They would strengthen their immune system, right? Yeah. But instead we see cancer and we're like, we have to go to war with that. We have to eliminate it. We have to do everything we can to get rid of that C word. Yeah. Instead of, you know, why is it there? How can we... Um, I have a quote over there. Can't see it, but it's on one of my whiteboards. It's from B.J. Palmer, and he says that all other health professions are, I'm going to get it wrong here, but basically saying all the health professions are addressing the environment to try to suit the weakened body. But chiropractic addresses the human body to suit the environment. So basically that adaptive form of healthcare. Mm-hmm. Saying let's strengthen the body mm-hmm. so that whatever its environment it, it's in, it can survive and hopefully thrive. Yeah. Where other professions are like, we can't do anything about your environment. We can't do anything about how you adapt to the environment. Let's just treat the effects of whatever environment you're in or how your body is adapting to the environment. So let's get rid of bugs. Let's, you know, find treatments for stuff that we can't get rid of. All of those things. That's kind of the philosophy in this, you know, breast can- breast cancer thing falls right under that philosophy. Sure. Sure. Yep. Cool. You have other stuff you wanted to hit on with this? Trying to remember what we hit on. I How, thi- just, I mean, again, we can put stuff in below the video to, or on our Facebook page mm-hmm. to people can read up on stuff, you know, specific studies if they want, you know, know what we're talking about or what they can do. Um, but some specific things, um, that you can do that they know have a huge effect um, on just whether or not your body's going to get um, cancer is antioxidants. Um, so those are things that are you know found in berries and you know, blueberries, raspberries, all those different things. If you can, if your body is um, addressing what they call oxidative stress. Oxidative stress is what can come in and affect your cells negatively, affect your DNA negatively, and then cause this kind of cascade of of abnormal cell growth. So if you're addressing um, that through antioxidants, then now you've done something that's going to promote the healing of your body or defending of your body um, instead of just, again, allowing something to happen and waiting to see if it it gets bad down the road. Yeah. Um, So two Two big things that promote that are something called glutathione, big word, but you can look it up, glutathione. It's kind of the master antioxidant in the body. Not only is it an antioxidant itself, which prevents oxidative stress, but it also helps to um, 
helps the other antioxidants in our body to do their job. So it kind of takes, um, if there are free radicals, if there is oxidative stress, it'll address that so then the other antioxidants can go and, and do their job. So one of the biggest things, to kind of determining factors of whether or not your body is in a state that it's going to be susceptible to cancer is how much, you know, what's your levels of glutathione. What suppresses your levels of glutathione is toxicity. So if you have a bunch of toxicity in your body, then glutathione's having to take care of all of that. So then it just suppresses because our body only it can, can't catch up to mm -hmm. making it enough. Mm -hmm. So if you're not eating foods like broccoli, Brussels sprouts, cauliflower, you know, kale, all these things that are glutathione promoting, and then you're getting all this toxicity in your body, again, there's, there's not enough glutathione to go around. Your body's going to succumb to oxidative stress, which leads to abnormal growth or cell growth, which can lead to, to cancer. So maximizing your glutathione levels through eating those foods, there's also supplement form, but also minimizing toxicity yeah. would be something that's huge. And then the second one is vitamin D. Vitamin D is huge. Um, they can they can create cancer cells in a Petri dish, and they start to you know proliferate, which is what cancer does. As soon as they put vitamin D in there, it stops the pr proliferation. Now, you can't link that for it's done in a petri dish to say hey that's exactly what's going to happen in, in the human body mm -hmm. of course it's more complex than that but we know it has a huge effect on whether or not your immune system is going to be strong but it also has a huge effect on activating kind of those antioxidants to be able to repair dna damage or defend against dna damage mm -hmm. so those are just two practical steps that you can do to yeah vitamin d levels glutathione levels are huge for sure from that it's just all the other things you talk about right eating the real food, exercising on a daily basis, at least moving on a daily basis. It's sleeping well. It's avoiding stress as much as you can, avoiding toxicity. All those different things are, are huge. Yeah. So, that, yeah, I think just to give you a little foreshadowing here, like the vitamin D thing. So one thing on our list that we know we're going to talk about soon is just supplements in general and that's definitely one of the things that's on that list you can be looking forward to that i think i mean just cancer in general is something that we will definitely hit more specifically on um but then also that like the the toxicity of our environment that's another one soon to be looking forward to so there's I guess the last thing that I would say, and this is definitely not something that I'm an expert on, um, but again, you can, I can, we can give you good resources to read stuff on. But, um, and why I say I'm not an expert in it is because again, our, we're about promoting health and trying to stay as much in that sort of philosophy as possible. Not necessarily, you know, trying to find disease and mm -hmm. what to do about that. Um, so if somebody's like, well, I am still concerned about breast cancer. And I've have you know genes for it. My mom had it. My grandma had it. My aunt has it. All those different things, um, which we didn't really hit on much. I guess we could talk about that a little bit too. But there's other ways of detecting whether or not you're susceptible to getting breast cancer as opposed to to getting mammograms. Mm -hmm. um, primarily, something called a thermography scan. It's just a heat reading um, of the breast tissue, looking for blood supply. So again, if cancer is going to develop, it needs lots of blood supply to be nourished well so it can survive and thrive. Yeah. Um, so what some studies have shown is that mammograms need about, I think it's six or seven years of development where it's in the billions and billions of cells, abnormal cells, 
to detect a lump. Um, these thermography scans only need about 200 cells. So it's you can detect it far sooner than you would um, if you get a mammogram. It's far more safe, right? There's no radiation. There's no pinching down on the breast. It's all done through heat reading. And some studies show it's 90% um, of actually detecting it. So that's something that I would look into if you are concerned about breast cancer and want to check to see if you're where you're at with those sort of things. It's cool. Sweet. Um, well, folks, first off, uh, shout out to uh, Brandon. Said good stuff, guys. Thanks, Brandon. Um, that Which reminded me, I'm going to try to get better about pre like putting up something either on Facebook or Instagram like letting people know that certain times where we're going to go live where you can hop onto Facebook and join us as we are discussing things uh, if you've got specific questions that you would like us to answer but also just a reminder that after the fact you can always comment on stuff uh, is that a notification oh I should say this too you can set on your phone uh, Alex just got a notification on his phone that we were live with episode 19. You can go into your settings if you want to never for sure miss anything and get the all the notifications for when we go on uh, with this stuff. But Yeah, so that way we can start answering some live questions. Yeah, yeah. Because um, I think, uh, hey, I'll let the cat out of the bag. I guess we haven't talked about this much, but we would love if this was like completely Q&A. Like if we could just toss out a topic and get enough questions to just like fire back exactly uh, what people want to know about, I think that's uh, I think that's like end game, like where we would love to get to. Um, but that takes a lot of people, you know, getting yep. in and listening, and we're hopefully building up to that point. But yeah, so I mean, if people are watching this later and have questions, they can still do that right on this Facebook feed, right? Correct. All right. We'll so try to get in there. Uh, we will figure out what we're going to do next week. I'll say it on here, so I have to do it. Uh, I will make sure to let you know what that topic is beforehand, when we're going to go live, and you can uh, join us. And he said next week, so hold him to that. Oh, that too. <laughs> I also just know my schedule for next week, and I know that I'm <laughs> I can make that happen. <laughs> cool. Thank you very much. Catch you guys later.